Hey everyone, it's Tri-State Sachs here, back with another Playing Around with Playbook this week. Today we're going to be talking to Kelly Klingen and Beth Fortune um, on our episode today. So let's just give them a moment to get on here. Hi, Sammy. Hi, how's it going? It's going, it's really going well. I'm very excited for this today. Me too, just waiting for them to get on here. Did you tell the good people of the internet who we're interviewing today? I was going to introduce them when they came, but in the meantime, maybe I will now. Um, so no, you can wait. You can just tell them we have a big guest. I think you're right. We can. Yeah, I already, I already said we were interviewing. Oh, you already told people. Yes. Are you excited for? Uh, oh, I look tan. I do look tan. I look healthy. Um, Trista, are you? How, what have you been listening to now that we're going into um, um, break? Have you had a little time to to listen to some of my records? Or what have you been listening to besides my records? <laughs> Yes, I have been listening uh, deep into the Sammy discography, but I've also been into really into um, Train. I've been in a Train phase. But... Train? Who's Train? You have to be more specific for some of our audience members. John Coltrane. Ooh. I've been listening to the whole uh, Coltrane Sound album and Transition. I love Coltrane Sound. That has uh, 26.2, Central Park West. Yes. Yes, it love. does. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Hi. Oh my gosh. Did I do it? Hi, you did it. Okay, this old fart doesn't know how to use Instagram. <laughs> yes, of course. Kelly, we are breaking yeah. the internet here. Oh my gosh. People are piling into this room to see Kelly and Beth. This is amazing. Oh, yeah. Yes. We're here. She did it. Thank was, you so much. I was just going to send instructions. <laughs> yeah, I just responded to your email. Instagram live, not a Zoom. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I just went to Instagram and yeah. there was a button yes. and I was like, hmm. Awesome. This well, is amazing. Some of my favorite people here all the way from Seattle. Aww. This is great. This is, yes, Chris, awesome. I'm so glad you're meeting these two rock stars of the music education world. Yes. This is like Springsteen and Coltrane in this. I mean, this is big. Oh, stop. I'll let, I'll, no, no. The boss, really? I mean, I'll be the boss. I'm You're the super boss. great. No, with I'm that. the boss. I'm okay, the can boss. we be the yes. shared boss? Yes. <laughs> okay. okay, so let me just introduce you guys for okay. those of the playable community that don't, don't know yet. Um, this is Kelly Klingin and um, Elizabeth Fortune. Um, so dubbed the Beth and Kelly show by colleagues, they're teaching soulmates who love to talk shop and laugh their asses off. They don't have all the answers, but they do have a ton of experience and are willing to ask questions and make mistakes. Kelly is the former director of concert bands and jazz at Washington Middle School, where she taught from 2008 to 2016. A graduate of Roosevelt High School and the University of Washington, she's rooted in Seattle's 
Seattle's celebrated tradition of music education. Kelly is a frequent adjudicator at local and regional jazz festivals, including the Lionel Hampton and Reno <laughs> Jazz Festivals. Um, Kelly was named the University of Washington Alumni of the Year for her work on gender equity in jazz. And in 2018, she served on the Expanding Opportunities Learn Jazz and After School Task Force, Task Force at Jazz Lane Center and is the Director of Education at Seattle Jazz Ed, which is awesome. Um, Oh, yeah. Elizabeth Fortune is the director. I told you the boss. Do you see why I said the boss? Can everyone just pause for a second? Okay, sorry. <laughs> the director of, or of orchestras at Seattle's Ballard High School from 2002 to 2018. She was director of orchestras and eclectic strings at Seattle's acclaimed Washington Middle School. Fortune's work has been on the forefront of national content music standards based curriculum development, which is amazing. And she is also an authority on the inclusion of eclectic strings, strings in the public school setting. So thank you so much, um, Beth and Kelly, for joining us here today. To get us started, I'm going to ask you our staple playbook question, which you might already know, and which no. Sammy started, started us off with. Um, what have you both been listening to lately? Uh, I have been listening to Anderson Pock a lot recently, uh, in the car, and, uh, that's enough. I mean, I just, I got the Westerly's Christmas album. I've oh my God, one. yes, I love I've that one. I've been listening to too. Martina De Silva's, um, the, uh, the album she did in her living room, which I'm, like, super inspired by mentor and uh, you know it's the holidays so that also means at the Klingon house household that we have um you know like the Ray Conniff singers doing mm -hmm. Christmas which is embarrassing it is a throwback big time what's Beth got going on I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and one up you there <laughs> oh snap so this actually you know I am actually kind of glad we have this opportunity Kelly because I was actually like just about 20 minutes ago running on the treadmill which I rented and is down in my basement okay you rented a treadmill because, <laughs> yes because you know the rain in Seattle and like it's cold and like otherwise I will not exercise um so I I was downstairs running on the treadmill and what I did was I went ahead and I found an 80s country playlist. Okay. Okay. Uh -huh. So mm -hmm. here's what I was thinking. I was like, I need to write a blog about this. But then I have this opportunity right now. So actually, I don't need to write the blog. I'm just going to talk about <laughs> Save it. Save right your time. Now. So here's the deal. I had a moment. I had a moment on that treadmill downstairs because um, what I realized was that I get totally jazzed by music that I was listening to and grew up on in my upbringing in Montana as mm. a kid, right? And then Outlaw I, Country? Outlaw Country, 80s yep. Country, yes. All of those, all those Willie Whalen and the boys, Ooh, right? Yeah. Okay, so... I am an Okie from Muskogee. <laughs> and, you know, there is... We'll talk about later, but you know, Merle Haggard is I, okay. okay. So um, <laughs> I'm sitting there on the treadmill, going, "Why is it that 
that when I am listening to and playing and or singing like Outlaw Country or I feel like I'm actually able to be expressive. Um, whereas in any other area of my entire musical upbringing, I have not been able to be expressive. Mm. <laughs> then, and then I realized also, which was one of those middle-aged things, that I am a lot like my parents who would like dial up like 60s classic radio or whatever. So at that point, at this point, I am now like my parents who listen to oldies. Amazing. You got to love the oldies. So I'm, the oldies. I'm very curious as we get into the Beth and Kelly dynamic already. Um, what was the <laughs> initial, initial inspiration for the Beth and Kelly show? How did this idea come about? Well, we, we, needed, we, we were um, reacting to, um, well, really, what I would say is the twin pandemics. Kelly and I saw what needed to happen during the uh, height of education being changed during COVID. Um, we saw what needed to be happen happening, mm -hmm. and we saw that it was not happening. Yeah. Um, and... <laughs> So we decided we needed to broadcast this to the world. Of course, of course. We had no idea if it would work. I was like, dude, we've actually talked for years about yeah. how we want to be jazz education pundits and how yeah. it would be friggin' hilarious if we went to educational jazz festivals and it was oh. like mystery science theater 3000 style and it's just like mm -hmm. the outline of our heads and us yeah. sort of clowning on the situation <laughs> um and or giving like helpful tidbits as the festivals yeah. are going on and wouldn't that be so friggin funny so it sort of came from that idea it's just punditry just with us yeah of right. course i guess of course <laughs> And I know, Beth, uh, a lot of your work has been on the national content music standards-based curriculum and working with NAFME. Can you speak a little bit about this process and experience? Yes. Um, so I've been uh, serving NAFME in many different ways over the last decade or so. Um, and currently, I am the chair of the National Council for Orchestral Education. For NAFME. Mm -hmm. uh, and oh, she's I'm like big time, y'all. <laughs> and big deal. Coltrane in the house. Yeah, I'm on our professional development committee and um, also serve as a curriculum writer for a grant that they have with Congress. Um, so, and I'm writing standards based curriculum utilizing primary from the Library of Congress, which is like one of the coolest experiences ever, really. Um, oh, wow. But over my, my period of time in serving with NAFME, I've been able to do a lot of work in providing resources to folks to help them understand and utilize the standard. Because um, I think NAFME realized kind of early on in the process, the standards were rolled out in 2014. But I think that they realized early on in the, the process here that a lot of people don't get the standards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I've been really lucky 
to have had reasons to dig in, start understanding them and then create stuff around them. And now I, because of all that experience, I have lots and lots of understanding and knowledge about the standards, what they are and what people can do to use them. And I think it's really important that people start understanding them because I'm here to tell you that numerous states have adopted the standards and we are as public school educators required to utilize these standards in our teacher evaluations. Yeah, so of course. I uh, just, yes, I no one them. Like <laughs> people don't get them, but here's the deal. And I've explained this to numerous people, anyone who will My, ask. Myself included, I will That's say. Right. That's yeah, right. I, I don't know if you're like looking at me without looking at me. Like, I, I was know, like, I'm looking at you. I was like, Beth, because please, I please. sat you down. She's coming yes, for you, please. Sammy. She's coming no, for you. No, it's amazing. It is based on the artistic process. The artistic process is what all artists do when they do their work, whether they realize it or not. And mm -hmm. what you're doing when you're using the standards is you are empowering students to not only understand, but then go through each of those processes that actual artists do. Yeah. So that when they leave us, they can actually do these things themselves. And, you know, we're not saying everybody needs to become a professional musician. If you're participating in the artistic process, you're also learning how to appreciate and be a music lover. Mm -hmm. Translation, yeah. like, there, we would be complete and total morons to try and, um, to like, go through our jobs thinking that all of our students were going to become professional musicians. Like, what? Yeah. We that's not real. Yeah. How many hundreds of hundreds, thousands probably of people do I interact with who's uh, yearly who say, "Oh, mm -hmm. I play the trumpet." <laughs> right? right. Or, they all say that. All they all say. I right? used to play the trumpet in middle school. <laughs> right. But the point is, you don't have to. When you we've created a system where students decide not to be in our classrooms anymore and mm. then that means they're done with music making yeah. and that is not <laughs> what is our job we yeah. are really needing to set our students up so that they can be lifelong music makers mm. and so appreciators yeah. yeah and appreciators if we're not doing yeah. that what in the hell are we doing folks wait so yeah. you know Kelly can Thank you for that. It's very insightful to hear that because, like, as a studying music educator, the the standards at the are at the forefront of like what I learn, and um, you know, I have to know them and base like my teaching around them. So it's really interesting to hear that perspective from both of you. Can Can I ask Kelly? Because so Beth is talking about standards from one. Sorry, I guess curriculum from she has a, comes from a different background, right? And now, as you think about jazz curriculum, when you were building out what's going on, like the programs at Jazz Ed. Like, what were the big things, sort of, what, what are the centering ideas for curriculum from your perspective, working in Washington Middle School and now bringing that to Jazz Ed with such a far-ranging mm -hmm. group of people? What are you thinking about when, or what should people thinking, be thinking about when they're building curriculum in jazz? Well, improvisation has to be centered from the beginning, um, which generally means getting away from written music, right, as, as like you know, the guiding principle of learning mm -hmm. um, and trying to have 
um, groups be as mixed as possible, letting leaving space for um, any instrument that mm. to join. Um, I feel like if we're getting away from quote unquote jazz instruments um, as all that we offer, that's really valuable. Yeah. Um, and I just try and and then things and then music making to be fun. <laughs> yeah, I know that you're you're mentioning uh, a non-traditional jazz instrument, and Sammy was mentioning this earlier. I know Sammy wanted to talk about this a little bit because I know that um, Beth is a violinist, a jazz violinist. Sammy, yeah, that's how I that? first started thinking about it, was yeah. Beth and um, her being like, "Hey, dude, uh, we have this like really famous big band." It, we need to do something like this for strings. And we embarked on a pretty scary <laughs> um, adventure that ended up being, I think, pivotal for both of us um, in our coaching and our careers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we're still doing it. No, I remember Beth was even like, when I was growing up, it was like, you, you can't play jazz. Like, you're not, you don't have an instrument. You don't have a part. The idea of, like, parts being There's flexible no part. enough. So, like, should you not be able to play in a band if you don't have written music for that ensemble? Which I think is right. so cool about both of you are structuring. Like, this is an oral music at its core. So how do you share right. and pass it down that way? And why have we changed it to be, oh, well, there is no bassoon part in jazz band therefore you can't participate yeah <laughs> and really real. early on i um i pushed back a lot against these ideas um mostly because i felt really tied to a tradition that i loved the big band tradition is really important to me um and all and i and i wanted my students to have that but also um, this idea that there was a program my students were going to. And if I didn't mirror what was going on at that high school, Garfield High School, that it was somehow a disservice to our students. And that, that one's a little harder to get around because I think that yeah. the big band's experience can be made available, as Beth and I have shown, to a whole lot of different instruments and for it to be really successful and equally valuable. I think it's a little stickier to get around this idea that like, you know, we, we um, created a space for these string players to really flourish in a jazz environment. And then they went off to a high school where there wasn't a place for them. There wasn't um, a place for them and they were kind of like punished actually. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's like when you go up against structures that are really, really set in stone, like, like the jazz education community in Seattle, really up until Kelly took the helm of jazz ed, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, but there are still very strict structures in this city, jazz wise. Mm -hmm. um, you end up really like shrinking back with your tail between your legs quite often. Mm. Yeah. when it yeah. comes to trying to get opportunities mm. we've got opportunities uh, that are for big bands here that you know it's a hard stop on 
opening those types of things up for strings um, or yeah. for, you know, different types of different configurations. So yeah, I'll even, the, the project we did at, with Ballard last year with Playbook where that was totally, I mean, Beth, that was your, that was your idea that came to life of like, wait, what if you took like a concert band and let them play some of this material? And to your point, even about the bassoon, which right. everyone like a little bit, most people like laugh about. It's like, it was so cool to see French horns, tuba, all these instruments getting the chance to just feel what it's like to play inside a jazz. Why can't these kids <laughs> learn how to swing, learn this important part of the American experience and interact with the music that will lifelong music makers? Why, yeah. why are we so rigid that we can't, you know? Yeah, you guys are not, they're changing it. These two, I mean, really, that's look. I'm sorry, Chris, to go back. I know I'm yeah, getting no, off, you're good. I'm getting Thank off you. script, you know, I'm, I'm improving a little Sam, bit. Sammy sorry. likes to pop in here, says, says what he I, I said I wanted to be on the show. I had to, I had to. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for talking about the structure of it because I am wondering, um, Kelly, um, as director of education at Seattle Jazz Ed, like, how do you go about the jazz curriculum and structuring your wide array of programs to um, like meet different needs? Oh, thanks, I mean, Alex. program design, program design is real tricky. Um, but it is something that I'm finding out that I'm pretty good at, which is <laughs> like sorting through all, all of the needs of various communities. Um, what are the educational needs? You know, like what are the, what are the student outcomes that we're looking for? What are barriers and how simplified can this um, course be made so that there are um, so a kid could really just sign up and show up as they are and be successful mm -hmm. and so um, removing auditions um, we have a pay what you can sliding scale tuition model um, I like to have team teachers in the classroom whenever I can budget for that. Um, and those, those teachers are, um, really allowed a lot of space to be creative and, and responsive to what's going on with whatever group of students shows up. Um, I mean, those are some big things. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Uh, you thank you. Kelly's done a really great job of um, bringing diversity into the teaching um, community, um, lifting up voices of folks that are often passed over or underrepresented. And um, it, I think it really makes a difference in what and how things are taught at Jazz Ed. Thank you for that response. Um, one of the last questions I want to ask you guys are, what are your mantras as educators when times get tough? Oh God! I don't know. I need to find out quick. <laughs> times a are times are tough. A times are tough right now. Yeah. Okay. B. Yeah. Whatever mantras there are, they are being said right now. Right. I know one that we share is uh, kids like to do. The kids like to do. They like to do. I always have that in my mind. Like if the kids aren't actively participating in it, 
it will not be retained and it will not be fun. So um, as much music making from like the moment that we enter the classroom until we leave is really important. Mm. And I also, um, go ahead. I'm talking about like, you know, the band, right? Let's take Sammy Miller and the Congregation, for instance. Uh, mm -hmm. Awesome band, right? But mm -hmm. it's only cool for like however long they come into your classroom and just play for the kids. The kids like to do. Um, they don't want to just sit there. They want to make music with Sammy Miller and the Congregation. They want... Mm -hmm you as as artists to enter into music and performance with kids mm. um you know that's that's one of my big mantras get the mm -hmm. community in get culture bears in and have them be making music with you not mm -hmm. just telling you what to do not just offering critique not just not just playing. a concert that we're taking right. notes on right but right. actually entering into the making of music um, and learning together live time, whether it's for performance or not, the kids like to do. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for that. Um, to close us off, um, Sammy and I want to ask you, why do you think programs like Playbook are so important in today's classroom? Uh, well, it's a tool to help kids do, <laughs> mm -hmm. so there's that. Um, man, and especially at a time like now where, um, you know, where we could be going digital again, uh, where we might be hybrid again, um, where we can actually start to um, utilize like this digital platform, um, and why not brought like broaden our community people don't have to be in seattle to mm -hmm. learn from them so like all of that's really great but also i think the 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 way of learning music where we're boiling it down to um four elements and that that is for everyone to learn i think is um a value that beth and i both really share Right? Like, if you're yep. only teaching your trombone players how to play their third trombone part, they're really going to have a hard time being lifelong music makers, and they're not mm. engaging with the artistic process. Right. Now, if they can learn <clears throat> how to construct a bass line and some um, fundamentals of harmony, and also get to play a melody, and, um, you know, being able to jump in and... Um, immediately be making and creating and responding with other people um, we're really setting our students up for success mm. and so it's a great tool for that yeah thank you for that yeah well uh, thank you so much to both of you for joining today um, everyone keep up with Beth and Kelly on Facebook at the Beth and Kelly show um, and watch their um. recorded season of their episodes. And Go to my also episode. A podcast, y'all. The podcast is amazing. On I recommend people Aww. who are running on treadmills, whether they're rented or they're at right? the gym or anywhere. That's right. <laughs> but uh, I, it's a great show. I, I only just thought, but I'll just say that these two are like some of the most inspiring educators uh, I've ever met. And 
I love that they are so themselves. Like, there's not, like, teacher Beth and then, like, normal Beth or whatever. <laughs> like, they really bring themselves to their students, and uh, it's infectious. And, and I just – that's the kind of educator I want to be. So thank you guys both. So uh, just Thank you. Well, that's thank the kind you. of educator you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us today. And you can also keep up with Kelly at the Seattle Jazz at Instagram as well. Okay. Um, so everyone watching, you can keep up with the playbook at the Playbook Jazz Instagram. It's the same link for our Facebook and Twitter as well. Um, and check us out at thisisplaybook.com. And we'll be back next week with another um, playing around with the playbook um, next Thursday. So thank you, everyone. I'm going to log off now. Fun. Thanks. Bye. 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 Thank you, guys.